Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness, it's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Welcome to Vitality Radio. I'm Jared St. Clair. It's good to be with you again on another episode. We are smack dab in the middle of Christmas and New Year's. The kids are out of school. It might be really cold where you're at. It's pretty chilly where I am. Uh, Maybe you've got a white Christmas. Maybe you don't. I hope you had a beautiful holiday with your family, and I hope that you're making the most of any time off that anybody has during this time. I'm doing my best to get a little bit of time off with my kids and uh, grandkids, uh, grandkid right now uh, from my son, grandkid number two is imminent as I'm recording this. And of course, I have my sweet grandbabies with my fiance, Jen, as well. So having so much fun this time of year with all the kids, I hope you are as well. I have a question for you today. Because this episode is all about creating a routine. What is your morning routine? How do you wake up? I bet you have a routine. Maybe you haven't thought much about it. Now, I'm going to speak generally because I have no idea in terms of you, the person listening to this show, what you do. But I know what I've done and I know what a lot of people do. And I've taught a lot of workshops over the last, what's it been now? Pretty close to three years, I guess. uh, Emotional Vitality Workshops, where I've asked this question, what is your morning routine? And it's kind of interesting. It's not the same for everyone, for sure. And some of us are morning people, and some of us are night people. I'm more of a night owl myself. And uh, so the morning routine for me... (laughs) has often been, uh, you know, not that exciting, or at least not that excited to be awake. But maybe your morning routine looks like this, because mine certainly has uh, many, many days. The alarm goes off, you stretch, you yawn, you roll over, and you smash the snooze button. Nine minutes later, it goes off again. This time you're feel just as asleep as you were the first time, and so you smash it again. Or maybe you're more awake, albeit barely, but your bladder seems to be awake, so it's time to head to the bathroom. Well, now you're up. Your clock says you have an hour to get ready, or maybe it's 51 minutes at this point, or maybe if you hit the snooze twice, it's 42 minutes. And uh, maybe you've got to take the kids to school, or you've got to get to work yourself, or both. Uh, or there's a phone call that you've got to make, or in my case, many times it's, I got to get into my studio and record a show. So you do your thing. You brush your teeth, you shower, you find, you know, suitable clothes for whatever it is you're doing that day. Uh, you mix up a shake or you scramble some eggs, or maybe you're an intermittent faster and you don't do either one of those things. Maybe you take some supplements, uh, and you know, you're on your way well to a day, but what kind of a day? Well, who knows? I mean, you have a plan on your calendar that says you have a schedule, at least, but you also have lots of room for lots to go wrong, or at least not as you planned. Mentally, 
you're just going to take it as it comes and hope that the day goes the best that it can go. But subconsciously, do you have a plan? I bet you do. But this subconscious plan is one that is, well, subconscious. So maybe you're unaware of it. Because your subconscious mind has actually been programmed with a plan based on a variety of inputs, mostly input by you. So let's just go back to this little scenario where that I just laid out. And if it sounds anything like you, then you can relate to me. If it doesn't, then take a brief pause here, maybe even pause this show for just a second and ask yourself this question. What does my automatic morning routine look like? What what is it like? Am I waking up to an alarm? Am I not waking up to an alarm? Am I rushing to get out of, out, uh, of bed and dressed and to work or wherever you've got to go? Am I, do I have plenty of time? Do I have an exercise uh, portion of my morning that I do? Uh, do I have uh, any other things that I do in the morning that are kind of normal parts of my routine? Just run through that for a minute. And then let's talk about your RAS. Now, I said your RAS, R-A-S, not your ass. Although, interestingly enough, it sounds a lot the same. So I'm going to mention this a lot during this show. And I hope you understand that I'm talking about your reticular activating system. Your, reticulating, your reticular activating system is something I've talked about on Vitality Radio before. We call it the RAS because, well, it's easier than saying reticular activating system, and sometimes it's fun if you start with your uh, before you say RAS. But regardless, it's a part of the brain that acts like a powerful filter, like a super powerful filter. It's right in the brain stem between the brain and the spine, and it's about the size and shape of a pinky finger. It's essentially a bundle of neurons in terms of its physical makeup, but wow, how these neurons function is incredible. Four of your five senses send messages directly to your reticular activating system. The human body sends 11 million bits of information, not per day, not per hour, not per minute, but per second, 11 million bits of information that your brain has to process, and yet your conscious mind seems to be able to process only about 50 of those 11 million bits per second. That is crazy, and the reticular activating system is essentially the gateway to your conscious mind that, uh, you know, the bouncer that kind of keeps all of the what seems like unnecessary stuff outside the door of those 11 million bits of information. Information transmission rates... um, for your senses look like this. Your sensory system, in terms of processing bits of information per second, your eyes are handling 10 of those 11 million bits. Your skin is uh, handling close to a million. Your ears, about 100,000. Your taste buds, about 1,000. And your smell, um, about 100,000. And so you're getting all of this 11 million bits of information from all these different senses, your eyes being the primary one. That's a tremendous amount of compression if you think about it. Um, you know, we, we get to the point now in our modern society where I'm holding my iPhone right here. And just before I got on the show, I was listening to music on Spotify. And I have 
so many songs downloaded on Spotify and even more that I can pull from the cloud anytime that I want. I also have this podcast and about 15 others that I listen to at least sometimes, if not regularly, all of which is compressed into that little tiny phone that I can keep in my pocket. That's kind of crazy, but it's not even close to what your brain and your reticular activating system are able to handle. You're taking 11 million bits of information and your reticular activating system is saying, I can handle about 50 that I can throw at your, at your conscious mind that it can process. The rest of it is going to drop into the subconscious. That's kind of crazy if you think about it. That means, though, that the vast majority of everything that we hear, we see, we feel, and we taste is actually subconscious. But what does this mean, and how do we harness the power of this filter, this reticular activating system? Well, let's look at some of the examples that I've been able to come up up with in my own life that I think you may be able to relate to. Uh, Recently, uh, maybe it's been six months ago or something like that, uh, my sweetheart and I decided to go and get a car because if you listen to my show on a regular basis, you heard I've been having some car troubles and her car got smashed. So we went to go get a car and we were looking and we specifically decided uh, on a car that we wanted and we are we, we hadn't seen a lot of those cars on the road. We went to the dealer. We found the car that we wanted. We found a color that we liked. We went ahead and made the deal, bought the car. And I will say the first time I ever saw that color on that car was at that dealership until I bought that car and started seeing that color of car lots of different places. And then that model of car, lots of different places in other colors. Now, why had I not noticed them before? Well, because I'd been seeing them. My 10 million bits of information were coming through my eyes, some of those bits processing a car that looks just like the car I just bought. But I hadn't noticed it before because I wasn't paying attention to it. I wasn't focused on it. The thing that's interesting about the reticular activating system and the thing that is so powerful, if you understand it, is that It does what it believes is your bidding. What you focus on is what it focuses on, and it's what it throws at your conscious mind. So we see this reticular activating system in action all the time in terms of what we notice versus what we don't notice and what other people notice versus what we notice. And it's really easy to see that because even if you just take a husband and a wife or uh, even just a man and a woman and the things that men are generally a little more interested in versus the things that women are generally a little more interested in. And of course, sometimes those things don't, you know, fall down those lines, but oftentimes they do. And so a man may be interested in a very specific thing that he notices all the time and his wife never notices it or vice versa. Why? Is it because it's unimportant to them? Maybe it's not something that they're normally focused on. Doesn't necessarily mean it's not important, but their reticular activating system has deemed it unimportant because that person has chosen not to focus on that thing. It's an amazing system because once we focus on something hard enough and we learn it, it becomes automatic. I love to tell the story about just driving down the freeway. Here in Utah, 
most of our streets are not street names, they're street numbers. Confuses the heck out of people, and I don't understand it because it makes perfect sense to me. But regardless, on our freeway, we can drive from 21st South to 33rd South. Those are two exits that we have uh, as options to 47th South to 53rd South to 72nd South to 90th South. I know all these you know exits by heart because I've been driven, driving this freeway forever. And oftentimes when I'm driving this freeway, I don't notice that I passed 33rd South or 45th South or 53rd South until I'm at 72nd South. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how did I get here? Well, how did I get here? Because my brain, my subconscious mind chose to allow me to go on autopilot as my conscious mind was paying attention to whatever I was paying attention to, perhaps the song that was on the radio or the podcast or the conversation I'm having with my uh, passenger in the car. And you've done this, I'm sure. Well, why is it that you can check out consciously, but still stay inside your lanes, not swerve and knock somebody over or cause a crash? Why can you do that? Well, because your body, your brain, rather, your subconscious mind puts you on autopilot. Can you imagine if we had to heavily focus on every single task that we do every day? You know, we know that we have some things that we don't have to think about at all, like breathing, right? And that is, you know, just it's part of the autonomic nervous system. We just breathe because the body has to breathe and we don't ever have to think about breathing, which is one of the problems with breath work uh, and why breath work is so powerful because we don't have to think about breathing. We don't think about it at all. But if we start to think about breathing, we can get into more of a meditative state. We can calm ourselves down and so on. But anyway, I digress. So back to the reticular activating system, when we talk about what we don't have to focus on because the body is able to do it on its own because the subconscious mind takes over. I think about tying my shoes. I can tie my shoe without ever thinking about it. But when I was trying to learn how to tie my shoe, it was a bear riding a bike. I fell off my bike multiple times before I learned how to ride it. And now I don't ever fall off a bike again because, you know, well, it's like riding a bicycle, right? You've heard that. Why is it that we can just ride a bicycle every time for the rest of our lives after we learn how to ride that bicycle at, you know, seven or eight years old or whatever it is. Well, because we figured it out through significant focus, trying not to fall and hurt ourselves, really excited and interested in learning how to ride a bike, and therefore really heavily focusing on it until our subconscious mind has it and we don't have to focus on it with our conscious mind anymore. That's how it works. So as I said, the RAS is the gatekeeper to your conscious mind. It only lets in what it thinks is important to you. But how does it know what is important? And this is the key to much of what I'm going to be talking about today and what I believe can be an absolute, unbelievable, life-changing thing if you can lock it in. And I know that you can. How does the reticular activating system know what is important to you? Simply by recognizing what you focus on the most. It's that simple. What do you focus on the most? I had a conversation with a young lady um, two days ago, three days ago, uh, and she was having a really challenging day. She's very young, 19 years old, not a lot of responsibilities uh, yet, but also not a lot of money. 
and she had a problem where she had to spend $250 that she didn't have in order to be able to drive her car, which she needed to drive in order to get to her new job, which starts this next week. And it was one of these things that kind of snowballed. There was that thing, and then there was a problem right before that, and there was a problem right before that, and there was a problem right before that. One of the problems was that she procrastinated doing something she could have done and had time to do so that she could start her job two weeks earlier so that she could have money for the Christmas season, which she no longer had that opportunity. She had to start her job two weeks later. So why do I say all this? Because she was saying to me as she sobbed, I hate my life. I hate myself. Now, that's a really, really sad thing to hear from anybody. It's especially a sad thing to hear from someone that you care about. And I do care about this young woman. And it's a really, really interesting thing because as she was saying that, all I could hear is in my head, her reticular activating system saying, Everything that happens to me is bad. I have terrible luck. I hate myself. I'm not worth anything over and over and over again, which then would lead her subconscious mind to give her what she expects because her subconscious mind believes that that is what she wants. If you don't believe me, I can tell you this is 100% scientific. We know that this is how it works. That's why guys like Tony Robbins and these kind of, you know, mindset gurus, they sound pie in the sky so much of the time. But what they're talking about is this. What you focus on matters. It matters more than you can possibly imagine. It is absolutely powerful stuff. Your subconscious mind holds within it so much power and yet consciously We are, in many cases, polluting that subconscious mind to the point where it is giving us no benefit and, or I shouldn't say no benefit, but far less benefit than it could, that it is actually, we are essentially self-sabotaging by saying things like what this young woman was saying. So we had a talk and I talked a lot about this type of stuff with her. And it was during that talk that I decided I wanted to do this episode specifically this week. So... We all have certain beliefs, and if you haven't heard my episode on limiting beliefs, I would love for you to go back and listen to it. It'll be in the show description. We have beliefs about our world. We have beliefs about our families. We have beliefs about our religion. We have beliefs about our politics. And most importantly, we have beliefs about ourselves. What do we believe about ourselves? Because what we consciously believe about ourselves is a pattern that we create in our subconscious mind, and our subconscious mind wants to verify and confirm the beliefs that we have. Our RAS is actively looking for data to support the beliefs that we have. This is often recalled or referred to as confirmation bias. Think about it. We all have this. We saw it so much during the last few years with all the COVID nonsense that was going on. Everybody was trying to confirm what they already believed. And therefore, it was very difficult for anybody to have a dialogue with someone who believed differently because people would just put their feet in the dirt and say, I'm not budging, right? 
And we also see it with politics. Right now we see it with uh, what's going on with Israel and Palestine. And I really don't care how you feel about that conflict at all. In this example, it does not matter, except that if you have a very strong opinion on one side or the other, regardless of what it is, and regardless of whether or not I think you're right or wrong, none of that matters. But it does matter if you've got a very specific feeling about it, or you've got a very specific feeling about who our president is or who you would like him to be if he's not currently the man in office, or any of these types of things that are so divisive, then you are going to be looking naturally and subconsciously for confirmation that you are right, that your guy for president is the right guy that your side of the conflict in the Middle East is the right side, that your way of believing when it comes to your religion is true. You're going to consistently look for those things, which makes it very hard, very, very challenging to critically think and actually take a look behind the scenes of your own mind and figure out what you actually believe. The more proof that your reticular activating system lets in, the more evidence that you're right about a thing, the more powerfully entrenched you become in that belief. And once you become convinced, that belief becomes your reality, which is why I say over and over again, question your beliefs, especially the beliefs about yourself, especially the beliefs about yourself, question them on a regular basis. Ask yourself the question, what if I'm wrong? What if I'm wrong? Because I can tell you, you can come to some of the greatest truths in your life if you're willing, if you're willing to ask yourself, what if I'm wrong? And find evidence that could potentially prove it. Keep in mind that if it's true, if it's true, it'll stand up to scrutiny all day long. But if it's a little more of a house of cards, you may actually prove something different to yourself, and that may really, really help you moving on in life. Now, again, none of this is about positive thinking. It's just true and proven neuroscience. So the question is, we talk about diet and exercise all the time on health and nutrition shows. I was just talking to a couple of doctors over the last few weeks that both uh, subscribe to more of a Mediterranean diet way of eating, right? And whether you agree with that or not, again, doesn't matter. Uh, the point is that's what they believe and that's what they've seen results with in their clinics. That's what they're recommending. I can tell you, the diet for the reticular activating system is way less complicated. It's way less complicated. It's not carnivore versus vegan. It's not Mediterranean versus keto. It's not the sad standard American diet. It's none of those things. It's basically there's a healthy diet for your reticular, reticular activating system, your RAS, and there's an unhealthy diet. For it. It's really that simple, and I can tell you exactly how to feed your reticular activating system. It's a garbage in, garbage out scenario. If you, like this young friend of mine, say, I hate my life, I hate myself, I have nothing but bad luck, your reticular activating system will believe you. 
your subconscious mind will absolutely believe you and it will do its absolute best to help prove that you are right. It's like it's got your back, kind of. Like it's really got your back 100%, even though you may not have your back if that makes sense, right? If you're telling yourself how big of a loser you are and how big of a failure you are and you're feeding yourself this constant barrage of negativity and junk food for your reticular activating system, your subconscious mind will say, okay, this is how my boss wants to believe, so I'm going to do everything I can to prove him or her correct. It chooses what it lets in based on what you tell yourself and what you tell others and what you write down and what you focus on. Let's go back and talk about those four things for just a moment. It chooses your reticular activating system, what it lets in based on what you tell yourself, what you tell others, what you write down, or I'll say text message or email, and what you focus on. So, what does that mean? There's one word before all of those things, and that word is you. Y-O-U. What you tell yourself, what you tell other people, what you write, and what you focus on. Which means you have all of the control. You know, I talked about the six human needs, and we'll do more on that down the road. because it's such a powerful thing. But one of the biggest human needs that creates the most anxiety in life for people is the need for control. So if you're one who deals with a lot of anxiety and you feel out of control, this should be, it should feel like a godsend. You have complete control over your reticular activating system. You get to program it. So even though your RAS, your reticular activating system, is receiving mass quantities of data, it is only allowing your conscious mind to digest what it believes you want most. Have you ever unconsciously sat at a table with chips or candy or pistachios or whatever and eat them just because they were there, not because you were hungry or craving them? You're likely doing this to your reticular activating system as well, unconsciously feeding it a diet of things that aren't good or needed, And in many cases, what we feed it is damaging to our own self-worth, to our ability to perform, and to create the life that we want. If your RAS is on a regular diet of self-doubt, I can't do it. It will never be how I want it. It will always be like this. I'm not good enough. I'm always late, etc., We will see evidence of that bias and confirm it on a regular basis. Even the things that aren't true will become true in our minds. Our brains aren't built to distinguish truth from fiction. We simply receive data and it comes and and we come to conclusions based on that data. So just like eating a steady diet of Big Macs and Coke will harm your body short and long term, eating a steady diet of self-doubt, shame, and other negative emotions will break you down mentally and emotionally. The great news is this. We have control of what our RAS does with the 11 million bits of info that it receives every second. 
You control the filter, but it does take practice. And what I'm about to teach you is a way that you can practice and hone that skill in a really powerful way. And I would highly recommend, if you haven't listened to it yet, or if you need to hear it again, go back to the episode I did on curiosity, because that's another way that you can really impact the reticular activating system. It all starts with awareness of what you really want, not what you don't or currently don't believe you can have, but what you really want. Because when you choose to feed your body a steady diet of healthy, organic, clean, and nutrient-rich food, you get healthier and more fit. The same can be said of your brain and its amazing filter, the reticular activating system. Your RAS helps dictate what you think and believe, which then helps dictate how you feel, which dictates the kind of life that you build for yourself. So let me stop here and jump out of my notes for just a moment because this just occurred to me. If you feel like your life isn't what you want it to be and you're just absorbing the punches as they come, whether that's financial, relational, uh, you know, political, religious, uh, health, a lot of people listening to this show because they don't feel optimal from a physical health standpoint, regardless of what it is, if you just feel like you're taking the punches as life hands them to you and you're not really in control at all and you're not able to throw too many punches yourself, you're just absorbing the hits. But you'd like to be like Rocky, right? One of my favorite movies or series of movies is the Rocky movies where he just takes a pounding... (laughs) A ridiculous pounding. And then eventually musters up the nerve to fight back and knock out his opponent, right? That's kind of the story of those movies. Rocky said to his son, who was whining about how tough his life was, it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Oh, I love that quote so much. It's so powerful and it's so true. If you're taking the hits and you're still moving forward, that's an incredible start. It's an incredible place to be. Now start throwing some punches. And the way that you do that is taking control of this system, your reticular activating system. Instead of looking at how bloodied and beaten you are and focusing on that, Look at how strong you've been able to become because of the punches that you've taken. Focus on what punches you've taken and still moved forward in life. Shift your focus, change your life. So now let me teach you one method that really proves to be incredibly impactful if you just change your routine. You already have a morning routine. We talked about it at the beginning. I don't know how effective your morning routine is. I don't know how rushed you feel throughout your morning routine or whatever it is. But if you're one of the millions of people that rolls over and smashes the snooze button, you've got at least nine minutes that you could fit this into your routine if you stop smashing the snooze button. And you don't need nine minutes. You only need a few to do what I'm going to teach you. It's a morning routine that was taught to me by uh, one of my mentors, Lamont Wilcox. So stop smashing the snooze button and start creating the day that you had planned for 
you can do this and it will change your life if you do it. I really believe that. First off, your RAS is all subconscious, but it receives those signals from you physically, not just verbally. It sees them, it hears them, it feels them, and so on. So the first thing I want you to do when you wake up tomorrow morning is this, smile. Is that what you normally do? Is that your natural response? A big, fat, goofy smile? No. In fact, the first time I did this after Lamont asked me to do it, I was like, this is so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous, kind of, except it's not. Because what does a smile do to your brain? According to the research that's been reported by the British Council, this is the start, the smile is the start of the positive feedback loop of happiness. When our smiling muscles contract, they fire a signal to the brain, stimulating our reward system and further increasing our level of happy hormones or endorphins. What do you need to get up in the morning? You need endorphins. You need a little push of something to energize yourself and get going. In short, when our brain feels happy, we smile. When we smile our brain feels happier. It's this amazing, non-vicious cycle. It's a beautiful thing. Your smile will make you happier even if you're faking it. Yeah, that's actually true. Even if you're faking it. You wake up, you put a smile on your face, even if you're like, oh, don't want to be awake. I'm not looking forward to this day. If those are the things that are filtering through to your conscious mind, you know what that indicates to me? It indicates to me that you've been telling yourself that for far too long and you've programmed yourself to feel that way every single morning. So reprogram. Believe it or not, it's easier than you think. When we smile, our brain feels happier. When our brain feels happier, we become happier. So If you're not happy to wake up, and trust me, I'm often not happy to wake up in the first moments of the alarm going off, because yes, most days I wake up to an alarm. Well, I don't know, maybe half the days. Regardless, I wake up to the alarm. My initial response is smash the snooze button. It is. That's my my initial thought. When I'm on my game, I don't smash the snooze button. I smile. A big, goofy smile. And I think about what I thought about during my evening routine the night before, which I'm going to teach you on a completely different episode of Emotional Vitality Vitality Radio podcast, okay? So smile, smile, smile. That's the first thing. If you're not happy to wake up, fake it and smile anyway. As if you're overjoyed to face your day. Yes, if you want to be happy, this is the first step. Thanks to this positive feedback loop of smiling, we can alter our brain's emotional processing pathway to feel happier with a simple smile, and that works through neuroplasticity. We can literally change our brain. We can change those subconscious patterns. We can become, if we choose to, a morning person, believe it or not. Smile big, even ridiculously. 
multiple times I've done this and literally started laughing at how ridiculous it seems. If you're in bed with someone, smile at them. Smiling is contagious. And believe it or not, this can work for more than just you. You have kids? The first thing that they could see each morning is a smiling face rather than a half-awake parent wishing they could go back to bed. That's up to you. And believe it or not, and you need to believe it, it impacts them. That's step one. Step two for me is to walk into the bathroom and smile in the mirror at myself on the way in and out. Feeling it is great. Feeling the smile. But seeing it is even better. Then what? Well, while you're in the bathroom, you can choose to do some mirror work. Now, mirror work can be very uncomfortable for some people. It never was for me. I'm pretty comfortable in front of a microphone, in front of a camera, in front of an audience, whatever. But sometimes not as comfortable in front of myself. And that's a real challenge for a lot of people. And if you're in that moment, if you're in that place, that's okay. That's where you are. That doesn't mean that that's where you must remain. So I would highly encourage starting some mirror work. You can do it very, very simply. What does mirror work look like? Well, it can look like different things to different people. But if you look in the mirror right now, or I should say tomorrow morning, after doing this smile thing, I hope you're in a little happier mood at that point. And you don't like the way you look without your makeup on or your hair is a mess. uh, Or maybe you struggle with self-doubt, depression, fear, or many other big bad demons that can hold you back. Well, then this is one opportunity to reframe and reprogram that subconscious mind. So, this is what I want you to do in the mirror. I want you to look at the, in the mirror and look into your own eyes. And you don't have to do anything at that point if you're not yet comfortable doing it. You can just look in your eyes. If you can muster this up. If you struggle with anxiety and depression and some of these things, this may be challenging to muster up. But I would highly recommend this. Figure out how to do it, even if it's uncomfortable. Look into your eyes and say, I love you. Now, that sounds super woo-woo to some people, and that's fine. I don't really care. The point is, you're articulating, you're articulating, (laughs) your RAS, your RAS will believe you even if consciously you don't even believe yourself yet. If love is too strong right now and you really don't believe you love yourself, then how about I like myself? Come up with something, something simple that maybe you can kind of believe. That's all it takes. Say it to yourself, look in your eyes, and that can be it. That can be your start. If you're beyond that and you don't struggle looking in the mirror at yourself, then you can have a whole conversation if you'd like. Maybe let your significant other know that you haven't gone crazy and this is something you're trying out as a new routine. Maybe let your significant other listen to this episode and see if you can start doing this together. This is a solo thing, but it's a thing that you can both do, okay? So think about this for a minute. If you have kids or you have close friends or family members that don't, and you catch them speaking ill of themselves, do you tell them it isn't true? Do they tell you that it isn't true when they hear you do it? Well, guess what? Your RAS cares a whole lot more about what you think and say than it does what anyone else 
thinks or says. It is why in those feel-good movies where nobody believed in the main character, i.e. Rocky, or the team, but the character did, or the team believed, then they overcame the doubt of everyone else. The primary set of doubts that most impact us all come from within. Sure, others may not believe in you, and that may impact how you feel about yourself, but it doesn't have to. You are in control of your RAS. So mirror work can look like many things, but mostly it's coming to yourself in sincerity and shifting your feelings towards accepting where you are, but aiming and believing that your current state isn't your final destination. Personally, my mirror work consists of a big smile, sometimes even a goofy one, because I'm kind of a goofball and, well, I embrace that persona. I love to laugh, so sometimes I even make myself laugh during this exercise. Regardless, once I've smiled at myself, sometimes I say a few words about how productive I'm going to be that day. Other times, I look at my affirmation statement, or as one of my mentors, Lamont Wilcox, I mentioned before, calls it my incantation. Because this statement isn't just affirmation. It is also designed to change patterns in your brain to actually reprogram your RAS. Okay, so let's recap. First, we wake up with a smile. We refuse to smash the snooze. Instead, we wake up with a smile. If you've got someone next to you that you love to snuggle, maybe give a little bit of snuggle. Maybe whisper something sweet into their ear and then get your butt out of bed. Because if you are smashing the snooze button, you are telling your subconscious mind, I'm not ready for this day. Think about that. I'm not ready for this day. So what then does your subconscious mind do? It tries to prove that you're not ready for this day. If you don't get your butt up out of bed, then that's, Number two, the second strike, saying, I'm not ready for this day. I smashed the snooze button. I refuse to get up. Don't do that to yourself. Trust me. I know what it feels like to not feel ready for the day. I've spent most of my life in that situation, and I still fall back into it sometimes. But when I do this, what I'm talking about right now, It changes my day. It really, really does. So don't smash the snooze. Smile big. Get up. Go to the bathroom. On your way into the bathroom or on your way out if you have to hurry, do a little mirror work. And then you're going to look at what most people call an affirmation statement. Some people call an incantation. It doesn't really matter. What it boils down to is how you build it and how you use it. So this is how you build it. I want you to write down maybe 20 words. Shoot for 20, but if it's 10 or 15 or whatever, that's fine. These are words that you would like to believe about yourself in terms of like character traits. Okay, so these words, or or that you want to feel more of. All right, so these words might be strong, um, loved, loving, patient, kind, authentic, accepting, forgiving, the list goes on and on and on and on, okay? Think about things that 
I would say push you a little bit out of your comfort zone in terms of words that maybe you don't quite believe about yourself, but that you'd really sincerely like to believe about yourself. So to give you a quick story on this, the first time I ever did this, um, and most, I would say, of these that I've written ever since have included one word consistently with a whole bunch of other words that I've kind of you know, put into the statement from here to there, depending on what I feel like I, I need help with in that area at that time. But authentic has been the big one. Now, most everybody listening to this show doesn't know me very well. Some people do. I have some, some pretty close friends that listen to the show from time to time, some family members, but most people don't know me very well. And uh, if you're in that boat, which you probably are, uh, then whatever persona you see that I put off on my podcast, on my Instagram reels, uh, in Vitality Nutrition, uh, at my speaking engagements, whatever it is, you see the Jared St. Clair of Vitality Nutrition and Vitality Radio. That Jared St. Clair is a very, um, it's an authentic part of me. Because I'm not, I'm not interested. I've never been interested in just making stuff up to uh, make people, uh, you know, buy stuff from me or whatever else on that business side. But you know what I've really struggled with throughout my entire life, and way less now than I used to. But I still, I'm still working on this. Some of this stuff takes months or years for sure. And that is, I've always wanted everybody to like me. I want to be a very likable guy, which means that I've been very much a people pleaser for a big chunk of my existence, which is funny because uh, I was raised by a guy who was the absolute opposite of that. So who knows what that's about? And for that reason, I respected him so greatly. Well, when I met my sweet Jen, she was the least people pleasing kind of person I'd ever met. It wasn't that she was a jerk face to people. She just kind of didn't care much like my father, what people thought about her. And I always have, I've always cared what people thought about me. One of my big love languages, the biggest of the love languages, if you like that idea is affirmation. I want people to tell me how great I am. I want to feel really good about myself all the time. And therefore, I haven't always been totally authentic in many of my relationships. I've always kind of tried to, um, you know, cover up for my deficiencies or whatever. This may be very relatable to you. But interestingly enough, the vast majority of people listening to this show have met the most authentic version of Jared that there ever has been up to this point. Um, I am by far more just who I am. And you've heard me cry on this show and you've heard me tell personal stories on this show. You've heard me <laughs> tell you how rid <laughs> ridiculous I can be sometimes and all this stuff. I just kind of now just put it all out there, you know, whatever. That was not always me. A big part of the reason that I'm much more comfortable having doing shows like this and getting more personal is because for the last four and a half years or something like that, I've been working on being the most authentic version of me that I know how to be. And one of the biggest ways I've done it is authentic has been in this statement for five years. I've never taken it out. So I want you to write down 15, 20 words that you would like to encompass, that, that you would like to define you. Then 
I want you to spend some time with that list, five, 10 minutes, whatever it takes, and narrow it down to six or seven words. These are the top six or seven words that you're the very most interested in becoming, in embodying, that you really want to believe about yourself. Those are your key words for this statement, okay? Then I want you to put some words around those words. So, for instance, um, my, uh, my mentor, uh, Lamont Wilcox, shared with us one of his uh, statements. Um, his, uh, oh, well, the first part is, he likes you to do it this way. You can do it however you'd like, but he likes you to do it this way, and I think it's actually pretty powerful. So I suggest it, and that's, this is how I do it. I now command myself to be. So remember, this is now our conscious mind dictating to our subconscious mind exactly what we want to believe about ourselves. It's really, really simple. We're teaching it a lesson, essentially, and saying, Whatever that other stuff is that you've believed about me all this time, we're reprogramming right now, and this is the command I'm giving you. His was, I now command myself to be unstoppable at unconditionally loving and empowering others to fulfill life in adventurous, enthusiastic, and compassionate ways. So his words were unstoppable, unconditional love, empowering, adventurous, enthusiastic, and compassionate. And he wrote that statement, that incantation around those words. So the only words that really matter are, are the ones that you chose and that I now command myself. Not everybody's comfortable with I now command myself. Some people don't like it. So you could, if you're not comfortable with it, because I want you to do this, but remember, we are pushing outside of our comfort zone with the mirror work, with some of these other things. It's okay to get uncomfortable. In fact, I highly encourage it. We learn the most outside of our comfort zone. But if you don't want to say, I now command myself, you could say, I, be I now believe about myself. Something along those lines, something powerful enough that your subconscious mind knows you're serious. And then you just write out your statement. And I recommend that you put it in your phone. I recommend you write it, handwrite it, or type it, or both, on a card of some sort or a piece of paper. Put it on your bathroom mirror so that you can see it when you're doing your mirror work. What I personally do is I read my incantation to myself while I'm doing my mirror work until I have it memorized, and then I just state it directly as I'm looking myself in the eyes. This is powerful. It is a game changer. It takes time. The first time you do it, you might not believe much of it. The second time you do it, probably about the same. But by the time you've done it a dozen times or a couple dozen times or 50 times or 100 times, your subconscious mind is starting to buy in. And in many cases, earlier than you think. And because it's your conscious mind dictating to your subconscious mind, it's a little bit tough to recognize what your subconscious mind is actually absorbing because you it's subconscious. But I can promise you it's absorbing every single word and every single breath. It is absorbing it. But you might be trying to unwind 40 or 50 years or more of limiting beliefs. And that takes a little bit of time. But I tell you what, it doesn't take the 40 or 50 years it took to build them. 
We can do it much, much more quickly. We can turn this ship around. We can go in the direction that we want to go. Now, let me talk to someone who's not anxious or depressed or anything else. You're generally doing okay. That's where I found myself when I met Lamont and started learning all this stuff. But I had some things that were holding me back. One of the biggest things that he helped me break through was I wasn't, I wanted to do a podcast. I had a radio show for 12 years and I had put off doing a podcast for at least five years. I'd researched it. I'd looked into it. I'd tried to do it uh, to some degree, but I'd never really just, you know, kicked the ball over the line, so to speak. Until he helped me get into my subconscious mind and break through the fears that were holding me back from having a podcast. And because of that, I'm able to talk to you right now and hopefully share with you well, I am sharing it with you, but hopefully you'll utilize it, what had such an impact on me. This morning routine literally takes a few minutes. It's not that difficult. In fact, it's easy. You just have to want to do it. I highly recommend as a, maybe your only, New Year's resolution, if you want to call it that, or just a new way you're doing things in 2024, that you start with this morning routine. I would start it tomorrow morning. Don't put it off. If you've got some time tonight, write up that statement. If not, make it part of your morning routine tomorrow. If it takes some time to come up with those words, take a couple of days. But don't procrastinate this. Procrastination will lead you to not accomplishing this goal. And this goal can change your life. So I don't care if you're anxious and depressed. I don't care if you're maybe a little less authentic than you want to be, which is where I found myself. I don't care where you stand in life. This will help you if you do it. Next episode of Vitality Radio, I'm going to talk about an evening routine, but I want you to get this morning routine down between now and then. Actually, it won't be next episode, but a week from now. We'll do that episode, and we'll talk about the evening routine, which is also very simple and also very powerful. And I'm going to commit to you right now that I'm going to get back in the habit of doing this every morning, because I haven't been doing it every morning, moves and a million things, because that's just how life is, right? I'm doing this detox with the... Um, group on the Vitality Wellness page. If you're not a member of the Vitality Radio listeners community, uh, jump in there. We're talking about this detox that we're doing on January 8th. That's a physical thing. This is your emotional detox. You can pair it with that, and it will be powerful. And if you decide you still want to do the detox and you haven't signed up, jump on uh, email um, email us at Vitality Nutrition, or you can contact uh, Jessica through the Facebook listeners community. If you're not a Facebook person and you want to do it, uh, call Vitality. We'll get you Jessica's email address, and she will get you signed up for that. But this is the Emotional Vitality Detox for 2024. It's such a powerful thing. I can't possibly impress upon you enough how big of a deal this can be, how big of an impact I've seen in my life, and how big of an impact I've seen in Jen's life. It has changed us, and it has even changed our relationships with other people that aren't doing it. It is truly powerful stuff. If you have questions about anything you've heard on Vitality Radio, you know where to call 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. You can jump online at vitalitynutrition.com. 
And, uh, of course, you can join the listeners community. The link is below in the show description if you'd like more great information like this and some amazing like-minded people that are all trying to help push the ball forward and get it where we all want to be optimally vital, both physically and emotionally. Happy New Year to you. My name is Jared St. Clair, and this has been Vitality Radio. been listening to the vitality radio podcast enjoy your week in the meantime jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it vitality radio is researched and written by jared st Clair. our awesome music is by brian bob young support vitality radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on apple podcasts youtube or your favorite podcast source Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you.